Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're chatting with Pastor John Jenkins of First Baptist Church of Glenarden. Pastor Jenkins is a renowned leader in both ministry and nonprofit circles. He's been in ministry since 1973, has led effectively as a pastor, chairman, board member, and advisor to many D.C. area leaders, and he's grown his church's gatherings from 500 to 11,000 people since 1989. Between ministry and family balance, dealing with leadership fatigue, and avoiding pitfalls in your leadership journey, you won't want to miss the leadership insights he has to share with us. So let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Avail Leadership Podcast. My name is Virgil Sierra. I'm the Avail Leadership Media Host. I'm also the lead pastor of Vertical Church, also known as Iglesia Vertical in South Florida, where we are one church, two languages. And Avail Leadership is a leadership brand for the Christian leader. Our heart, as always, is to bring great content and great resources that will equip today's leaders, whether you're in the church, in the marketplace, uh, in parachurch ministries or organizations, our heart is to equip you and help you in this art of leadership. Today, I have the honor of connecting with Pastor John Jenkins. He's the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Glen Arden, uh, which has a couple of locations in Maryland. Uh, pastor John is committed in his quest to develop dynamic disciples. He's been in leadership at many churches. He's been in leadership in nonprofits. He's counseled many top-level leaders in both the ministry and political spheres. He's a chairman of the board of the National Association of Evangelicals. And he's also received an honorary doctorate of divinity from Southern California School of Ministry. Pastor John and his wife, Trina, are the proud parents of six children and five grandchildren. And I think that number is growing. Pastor John, we are so honored that you would take time to connect with us here at the Avail Leadership Podcast. We are both excited and expectant to learn from you. And so before we get into a few questions, how do you feel? How does it feel to be here with us at the Avail Leadership Podcast? Pastor Virgil, thank you so much for uh, the invitation and uh, having me with you today. Let me begin by just uh, telling you how honored I am. I'm excited and thrilled. This is a dynamic uh, element of what you all are providing for leaders, and it's an honor to be a part of that. I want to thank you and the Avail team. I want to thank my dear friend, my mentor, my coach, Dr. Sam Chan, who has provided such wisdom over the years to me, beyond descriptions. I'm honored to be a part of uh, what y'all are doing. I think it's tremendous. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that everybody who's connected with us on this uh, episode is going to be blessed by you, Pastor John. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of people who know you. Uh, you've been in a lot of circles, whether it's leadership, whether it's the church, whether it's, you know, uh, even in the political sphere, being in, in, in close to the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, there's a lot of people who know who you are, but I know that there's some young leaders and also some new leaders uh, who are going to get to know you. So why don't you share with us a little bit about your journey, what you do, where you are, you know, how you got there. Well, uh, let me start off by saying I'm, I'm, I've crossed over into the 60s. I'm 61 years of age. I'll be 62 <laughs> in about a month. Uh, and I've been in ministry for a long time. I've been preaching for 47 years. I started wow. as a teenager, 15 years of age. My pastor licensed me to the uh, criticism of so many other pastors, but some of those other pastors also always invited me to come and do their youth services. So I've been <laughs> doing it for a long time pastor in my home church here for 30, this is my 31st year uh, that I've been the senior pastor of First Baptist Church of Glen Arden, just, just outside of Washington, D.C. But that's not what makes who I am. What I'm most proud of is that I'm married to Trina, Trina Jenkins, my wife of 40 years. To, wow. This Sunday, we celebrate 40 years of being married. I have six wonderful children. They're all grown and graduated from school and college and gainfully employed. I'm a grandfather to five and a half. Got another one on the way. Uh, I'm thrilled to be a family man. I'm actually committed and love my family. And I think family is the cornerstone of our culture and our society. And uh, I'm honored to have a wonderful family. And, uh, and I'm honored to lead, lead a fantastic church. It's a tremendous church. It's over 100 years old. It was started in 
1917. So uh, we are uh, we passed over that uh, 100 wow. year mark, and uh, it's a great church, great people, and it's my privilege. And by the way, it's my home church. Uh -huh. I grew up in this church. It is the only church I've ever belonged to in my life. Wow. Even though I have pastored at another church prior to this one, this is the only one that I've ever actually had membership at. And uh, it's, it's just a privilege and an honor. I'm, I'm living my, my dream life, and uh, I'm grateful and thankful to God for that. Hey, that's amazing. What, what I want to kind of park here for a second on family. Uh, first of all, it's amazing, A, that, you know, you've been ministering and pastoring. You've been doing this for over 45 years, um, and, and you've been pastoring this church that you grew up in. It's the only church you've been in. You've been pastoring it for 31 years. Uh, and that's, that's amazing. But I want to just pause here for a second. You're about to celebrate, as at the time of this recording, your 40th wedding anniversary with your wife, Trina. you got six kids. you got five and a half grandkids. Okay, so you're a man that throughout these years has had a lot on your plate. And I think there's a lot of leaders who are either um, headed in the, same, in the same direction on their journeys with ministry and family and church, right? What are some practical tips, Pastor John, that you have that you can share with us regarding balancing leadership responsibilities and family responsibilities? Because they're both important, but I think sometimes while we're trying to juggle things, uh, we can get in trouble. Yeah, you know, and that's probably a very significant question that you're raising and asking, and I could talk about that for the rest of the day. But let me just try to summarize and tell you this, that if I had the opportunity to talk, especially to young pastors, uh, though, or those who are new into the pastorate, I would say to them, do not sacrifice your family for ministry. Um, mm. That is not what the Lord Jesus has called us to do. He's already made the sacrifice for us, and he has wow. not called us to, um, to sacrifice our families, our marriages, our children for the health of the church. And uh, I had to learn that the, the hard way, Pastor Virgil. I had <laughs> made the mistake of uh, compromising and, and making ministry more important than my family. And the fact that I have a vibrant relationship with my kids today is a miracle from God because like so many other pastors, I was so much in pursuit of significance and importance and value and connecting with the right people and knowing the right people. I was so passionate about that, that uh, for a great portion of my early pastorate, I forsook my family and, and neglected my marriage and neglected my kids. And if I had to do it over again, I would never compromise that. You know, wow. the time that goes, your, your children's lives just breezes by so fast. I'm looking back. Mm on on 40 years and and i wish i could go back and spend more time with my kids and make more memories and wow. laugh with them and roll in the grass and play games with them more than i did uh pray with them and build those that walk with christ with them better than i have so if i had to do it all over again god will honor you when you put your marriage and your family at the top of the agenda and don't don't sacrifice your family or your marriage for ministry you know, I think that's such an important word. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. I'm taking mental notes right now, and I'm going to be able to listen back on this later because I think especially as young leaders, you know, or, or, or leaders who, who maybe are kind of starting off the journey, um, it's so easy to get caught up and wrapped up with, you know, I want to be significant. I want to, to do things that are going to make a difference. And there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with that desire but I think that sometimes it could be a strategy that the enemy uses to compete with maybe what's most important. Absolutely. You're, you're right target on. And the devil will, uh, you know, you can get caught up with doing a good thing in a wrong way, you know, or at the wrong time. And uh, I had been guilty of that. They were good things I was doing. I was involved with the church and ministry and all of that. Those are good things to do. Yeah but not at the expense of your family, not at the expense of your marriage, uh, not at the expense of loving on your kids. And uh, again, if I had to do it over again, I would make memories. Let me talk about that for a moment. That's I good. would make more memories with my kids. Uh, uh, we didn't have the iPhone when my kids were growing up, but, but now that we have the iPhone, I, I would say to young parents, take videos, do, take pictures and review <laughs> those things because that's going to play a significant role in your children's lives in their image of who their parents are and what their parents mean to them and what family means to them. Yeah. So many people have had jacked up marriages and yeah. jacked up families and jacked up parents that, 
they don't even want to, they don't think about marriage. They don't want to come near marriage. They don't want no family because their experience with it has been so horrifying. Wow. So, uh, we, we, marriage is supposed to be a reflection, a powerful reflection of relationship between Christ and the church. That's what marriage mm. is supposed to be. And so we should work diligently to make it fresh and alive. One of the things, let me say this real quick, because I, I could talk about family <laughs> and marriage for the rest of the day, and I know that's not the topic for the day, but this is, this is uh, important to me. I, I uh, learned God convicted me one mm. time because I had been, here's the big bird word, insensitive to okay. my insensitive. Okay. I had. I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had been insensitive to her, and I... I thought all of life revolved around me and my wishes and my wants. And my wife was doing everything she could to keep me happy. And God convicted me one day and said that if I wanted him, 1 Peter 3, 7, if I wanted him to answer my prayers, uh -huh. I needed to dwell with her according to knowledge and understanding, to understand yeah. her and to enter into her world and to engage with her and be sensitive to who she is and and treat her as the weaker vessel. Just be compassionate. And God said, if you don't do that, your prayers will be hindered. And I didn't want my prayers to be hindered. And so God convicted me of how wrong I had been. And ever since that day, I have been doing my best to be sensitive to my wife, to engage in her world. Pastor Virgil, I'm watching the Home and Garden Channel with her. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going shopping with her. That's right. And I discovered that when you do that, the God we serve rewards you and blesses you in tremendous ways. Yeah, you know, that's a good word. I think, I think just as, as I was hearing you talk right now, uh, it comes to mind. I, I know that I have felt almost like extra weight and extra burdens when things at home aren't well, you know, whether it's in the marriage or whether it's with our kids. And so that, that's going to lead us kind of into, into the heart of today's conversation. Um, you've been leading ministry over 45 years, right? Um, I'm confident because I know how this is in my short years in comparison to you, right? That you've probably run into some leadership fatigue issues. And, um, and so, and so kind of connecting these two things when things aren't well at, in the marriage at home and when we're struggling, balancing our family, well, it almost adds an extra burden, an extra weight, which can cause us to fatigue even more. So I want us to delve into that this concept of leadership fatigue from your experience and your learning, you know, what are some signs and, and I'm, you know, maybe you have some examples, but what are, what are some signs that there may be some leadership fatigue creeping in? Yeah. So, and again, that's a great question you're asking and an important one because uh, I've had some experiences over my journey that uh, almost took me out of ministry. Wow. You know, the statistics and psychologists tell us that pastoring is one of the most stressful jobs on the planet. Yeah. And, um, you know, one, one 20 or 30 minute sermon is equivalent, according to them, to eight hours of, of work. Mm -hmm. It's stressful. Plus all of the preparation and the decisions that have to be made and the people that you have to deal with. Deal with. You know, ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. <laughs> Amen. You got to deal with people that are not always kind and compassionate and sensitive and understanding. Yeah. So uh, I think one of the signs is when you feel the burden and the pressure mm. that you have to get something done, or you feel the pressure that you got to do this or mm. feel the stress that, you know, you got to make a move. Uh, that's, that's a sign of fatigue. When you get to a place where you're overburdened and you're, you're making quick or poor decisions. That's yeah. when you're when you're flying off the handle and treating people wrong. That's a sign mm. of fatigue. When you're when you're acting out of your nature. When you're mm. cussing people out. When you're right. When you're just you know you're not your normal self. Those are signs that you're entering into fatigue lane, and wow. you don't want to be on that road. And so that's the time. That's a wake up call. You 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 don't want to get there. But when you get there. Yeah. It's time to pause and say, you know what? I shouldn't snap at my wife like that. I shouldn't bark at my kids like that. Mm. I shouldn't have been insensitive to that leader who asked me a question about something. That that's a sign of uh, fatigue. And so we don't want to get there. We don't want to. Who, who in your experience? Who has there been anybody that's helped you 
see it when you haven't seen it or, or maybe realize it? Because I, I know, obviously, I, even just talk about marriage, that's kind of like a, a big click for me. A lot of times my wife will identify something or ask me a question that makes me think, why is she asking me that? But is there anybody, anybody that God has used specifically to help you realize, hey, John, you, you're, getting out of, you're getting out of your lane. You're getting out of, out of sorts. Yeah, so um, I have several relationships that are hold me accountable. Um, I have, uh, first of all, I have, a, I have a pastor. I think every pastor needs yeah. to have a pastor, somebody yeah. to whom you, you submit to, whose authority you're under, who yeah. has the authority and the right to tell you to sit down, mm. uh, to tell you, you know, you're out, of, you're out of order, you're out of your lane, you're doing the wrong stuff. I have a pastor. That's good. Who holds me accountable, who asks me the question. They have the right to ask me any questions and my promise and commitment is to always tell them the truth. But I also have peers, people who I have personal relationships with mm -hmm. who may not be, they're not my pastors, but they're my close friends Yeah, who are close enough to me to see that I'm maybe not acting in my normal way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's critical that everybody has those kind of relationships. Matter of fact, I don't think you should even go into pastorate or into ministry unless you have wow. those kinds of relationships because you need those kind of people in your life to hold you accountable or to, to be your mirror, to say to you, hey, um, you're, you're acting a little crazy or you're, you're not looking at, at right or you're not behaving in a way that's reflective of who you are. I think that's critical and important. Yeah, and, and I think from, what, from my experience, having those voices that have a green light, so to speak, to talk to us um, is so important but it doesn't happen on accident and it doesn't happen automatically. I have found you have to be intentional and you have to kind of seek it out and you have to, you know, absolutely, absolutely. say, I need you. I need some, some, uh, some accountability, you know? Right. And, and, you know, uh, most leaders, they don't want accountability. They don't want to have to answer to anybody, but it's, it's absolutely necessary. It's critical yeah. that you have that in your life. That's good. I want to um, stand on this, subject of leadership fatigue you just talked about some of the signs right and i think it's true i think when we see ourselves acting out of our normal character or when we when we're when our when when our when we're kind of thrown off quickly and these are all signs that that you know whether it's an overseer whether it's a pastor whether it's a counselor and sometimes even you know it's our wife you know or or our spouse you know um that that's seeing something or or just asking questions hey are you okay or are you getting enough rest these are all signs so what are some practical ways, Pastor John, that leaders can deal with leadership fatigue, um, can overcome it? Because I think it's inevitable. I mean, I, uh, I, even, if you, even if you haven't been in for, for 45 years plus, even if it's only been you know, four months, you might fall into some leadership fatigue. What are some practical tips or advice that you have? If, if I could talk to every pastor, here's what I would tell them to do. Let me tell you a little story of what happened to me once. Um, I, was, um, I woke up one morning um, and, uh, um, I, I started vomiting and couldn't uh, stop vomiting. Hmm. I, I got ill and he took me to the hospital and, um, they took, they took an MRI for whatever reason. They took an MRI and came back and told me that I had a brain aneurysm. Um, I don't know if you know what that is, but that's a, mm -hmm. it's when you, you, you burst a vein in your right. brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's when actually that's a stroke, but it's when they see a bubble on the vein, right? Brain, and so the aneurysm occurs before the stroke, right? So uh, I went, and they said we cannot treat that here. We cannot treat that aneurysm. We have to send you to another hospital. So they transported me to another hospital, and uh, when I get by the time I got to the other hospital, when they did their testing, they said we can't find the aneurysm. So I. Uh, you don't have one. So either they misdiagnosed me at the first hospital or maybe God healed me between the two hospitals. So right. people can decide what they want. Anyway, when I left that hospital, um, my elders said, we want you to go away. And they, they, they sent me away, put me on a plane and sent me to um, the Virgin Islands. Okay. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. I, I feel the, <laughs> I feel, I feel the spirit putting some leading me too. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't realize how stressed out I was. Wow. I didn't realize how tired I was. I slept for five days. Wow. I didn't wow. do anything. Didn't feel like. You hibernated. Anything. Yeah, I didn't want to do anything. All I did was got up to eat, and that was it. And went back and laid down wow. for five days, every day. 
and I didn't even feel like doing anything until it was time to come home. Hmm. And when I came from that uh, hiatus, that brief vacation, uh, the elders held me accountable in my church and they, they challenged me and I incorporated into my life. Here's where I'm leading to this point right here. Yeah. I incorporated into my life a regular sabbatical. Okay. Now, people talk about a sabbatical, so um, uh, I'm not talking about, you know, three or four months. Right. Not that kind of sabbatical. Right. A weekly or daily or monthly sabbatical is mm-hmm. what I'm working to my life. When they were rolling me out of the first hospital to take me to the second hospital, I saw my kids, the word had gotten out, my kids had lined up at the hospital and I saw them with tears flowing down their eyes and lined up and they had them in a place where I couldn't touch them and they couldn't, all they could do was holler out to me. I couldn't mm-hmm. even hug them or anything. And I realized that I had been working so hard and so diligent calling myself pleasing God that I had neglected my kids and, and neglected my own health. Right. So, so I worked into my life a system and a pattern of rest. Wow. I cannot tell you how important it is. So everybody got to figure out what their rhythm is. Right. You figure out what works for you. My rhythm is I work for three weeks, then I take a week off. That's yeah. my rhythm. I work hard for three weeks, then I take the entire week off. So every month I get a week to just do whatever I want to do. I don't have to teach Bible study that week. I don't have to call to no meetings that week. Mm-hmm. I just rest. That's, and I get replenished and I get refreshed and I get renewed. And I would say to pastors, you got to figure out what your rest is. Maybe it's once a week or maybe it's once a month or I don't know what your, how you figure out it is. But if you're working all the time and the pastorate can drain you and have oh, you yeah. seven days a week, oh, you're yeah. outside of the will of God if that's what you're doing. If you're wow. stressing yourself and doing all of that, you're outside of the will of God. You know, that's, that's really good. And uh, two things I want to mention kind of in, in this conversation that we're having right now. This is so important, Pastor John. Uh, well, number one, even going back to family and ministry, right? Um, so so my, I'm a pastor's kid. Um, uh, I took over the, the church that my parents, you know, planted a little mm-hmm. over 25 years ago. My wife is actually on staff. She, she's also one of the pastors here on staff with us. She's a leader. But uh, sometimes it's hard to uh, to, to distinguish the lines between home and ministry. Cause we're both leading and we're both have a calling, you know, in ministry, but I've noticed, for example, my pace, I can run and I can run hard. She can run, but she can run for sprints and she just needs that time. So sometimes even understanding in, in the concept of our families, that there's a little bit of a different pace, but then even seasons of life, because I'm sure that maybe uh, the way you could run and you could do ministry has, has adjusted and adapted a bit in the different seasons of your life, right? But, but here's, what I, here's what I wanna touch on, and I wanna hear your insight on this. I know that I have felt guilty at times taking a break. I, you know, the concept of, you know, of a pastor's, you know, always on, you know, as a pastor, you know, you know, you're not clocking, you know, and I know I have felt that I felt guilty, right? Like, you know, is it okay that I'm taking a day off? Or is it okay that I'm taking this week off? And what are people going to say? And, you know, you, you know, those people that are, that don't really know what they're talking about. And they say, Oh, nice to be a pastor and only work one day a week, right? They have no idea what they're saying. right? And so, <laughs> and so what are your thoughts about that? Because I think some leaders might feel some pastors specifically might feel guilty taking rest or t- right. time off. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you're hitting the nail on the head, uh, Pastor Virgil. Um, guilt is a tool of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Guilt is a demonic emotion. Yeah. The enemy wants to bring that, that upon you. That's not the will of God. It's not mm. the heart of God. Um, you know, you, you, there will always be work to be done. Ministry will always, you, you, you will never be finished. When I used to work, I had a government job and I always took pride that when the day was over, my inbox was, was empty. I didn't have Uh stuff to do um, left over from the previous day to do the next day. Mm -hmm. Ministry is not like that. You you can't do that. You're going to always have a need, always somebody to counsel, always some phone call to make, always some sermon or Bible study to prepare, always some meeting to have. That's ministry never stops. Right. But Jesus, the Bible says God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. He that's stopped. right. He took a break. Now, that's a model for all of us. Yeah. And he tells us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That Sabbath it was designed for our rest. God designed us 
to have periods of rest. In multiple occasions in scripture, Jesus took his disciples and said, I want you to go aside and rest a while. Yeah. So that's the will of God. And in any guilt that you feel, and that's the thing that drives so many people is the guilt. Yeah. That guilt is not from God. That's the, that's the tool of the enemy to stress you out, burn you out. Uh, it's not God. Don't let guilt be the deriving force for your decisions or your choices. That's so good. Pastor John, how old were you when you took the senior pastor position? I was, think I was 29. All right. So if you could go back to 29-year-old Pastor John Jenkins, FBC Glen Arden, and you wanted to address this issue of, hey, get some rest, what specifically would you say? So, um, you know, I was, I was working, you know, seven days a week. I, I didn't even have a day off. Wow. Um, but what I would say to people, you have a day off, have a day off that you reverence and honor and protect. Yeah. Tell your staff members, tell your people, I'm not going to be at the church this day. I ain't coming by the church. Don't call me. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at my emails. I'm not taking no phone calls. No work. No work. That's a, that's the sabbatical day that you are off. That's mm -hmm. that's the very first thing I would tell you. Wow. Put, put some boundaries around your, your schedule. Put some boundaries around it. I think yeah. that's important. And so eventually I started learning to do that, to put some yeah. boundaries off and, around it and spend that time with my family. I learned, but yeah. not early on I didn't learn. But so if I had yeah. that say to 29-year-old John Jenkins, don't sacrifice that day, that time of rest that you deserve and put boundaries yeah. around it. Tell your leaders yeah. I'm off that day. Yeah, and that's good because I think there's an aspect of actual physical health. This is something that's it's when we follow this commandment, literally, right uh, mm -hmm. from God. This is this is something that brings our bodies physical health. Um, it, it can really incorporate emotional and you know soul health in our relationships, of course, um, and even and even spiritual health. I think there's so many reasons why this is something we have to do, um, and the earlier we do it the better. And so we would be wise to hear voices like yours, Pastor John, to say, hey, we need to evaluate how we're taking our day-to-day, week-to-week, and, uh, and really give it a place of importance. Um, let's transition let me, a little bit. Let me, oh, go let ahead. Me, before you, I, I just I want to say one other thing on that that I think yeah. is very, very important. Here's a tool I used. Here's something I learned over the years. I wish, I, I wish somebody had told me earlier. This one I'm going to say right now is worth this podcast right here. <laughs> um, Here's a, here's, a, here's a principle that I've worked into my life that I've learned that I wish every pastor would learn. Hmm. I only do what only I can do. Okay. Unpack that. Yeah. Only do what only you can do. Mm -hmm. I'm only doing the things that only I can do. In other words, if somebody else can do it, I'm delegating. Pastors got to right. learn how to delegate. Yeah. And I've determined and looked at the things that have to be done. And what are the things that only... Only I can do that are my responsibilities to do that, that only my gifting can carry out. Yeah. Let other people take the assignment of other things and don't feel like you have to do everything. If, if everything starts at the pastor's desk, there's a problem there. That's, yeah. that's not healthy. That's not good. Everything can stop at your desk. You got to delegate and empower and authorize other people to take that load, some of that load, and you only do the things that only you can do. That's what I'm doing now. I'm only doing the stuff that only I can do. That's so good. I've heard it this way. I've heard it said that uh, the deeper you can go into an organization where people can actually say yes or no, the bigger and the more influential that organization can be. That's, gr that's a great word, Pastor John. And I think, I think it gets I think that's hard, especially when you're a church planter and you're starting out because you kind of got to have all those hats on. But the truth is, the sooner you start um, developing and empowering and deploying people to to lead, whether they have titles or not, as long as they have abilities and you're you know you're pouring into them, uh, that's going to be a huge huge value to your leadership and your you know your pastorate. That's a great word. Let's transition a little bit here, connecting all these pieces together. We're, we're living in 2020. Um, as we're recording this, Pastor John, which I believe we can agree is probably one of those years that kind of stands out from all the other years. Uh, it's a year where we've experienced globally, we've experienced crisis, definitely change. Um, you know, speak into this about leaders adapting effectively to, to changes that are unexpected. You know, in this season of COVID-19, you know, how do we adapt? How do we lead well in the midst of these crises and unexpected changes? 
So what I've what I have um, decided to do is to recognize where my strengths are, what is it that I'm good at, what is uh -huh. it that I have knowledge and giftings in, and what is it that I don't have giftings in. I think leadership is being smart enough to recognize what you're not good at, <laughs> and empowering those who are good to do some things. Um, mm -hmm. So you know this this pandemic has has caused us to do ministry different. And so what I've started doing, our church has started doing is we've come up with a creative team and they come up with the creative ideas of how we're going to present worship now. Wow. I'm, there's not a creative bone in my body. <laughs> but you got the right people at the table, right? There you go. Uh, I, put, I put the people who have that in the game yeah. and that's leadership. I don't have to come up with everything. The pastor yeah. doesn't have to determine and decide and come up with all of the issues. Great leadership is recognizing who can get it done and empowering those people to do it. So true. So uh, to me, that's what good leadership is, especially in this crisis uh, day. Uh, find the people around you. Because you know what I believe, Pastor? I believe God gives you everything you need in your yes. ministry to do what yes. you need to do. They're there. And it's Amen. just a matter of you are finding them, identifying them, and empowering them to do it. And so I'm proud of our our creative our creative team. They have come yeah. up with great ideas, and they've breathed life. So my thing is, what we're going to do when we have to go back to church? <laughs> what we're going to do? Because we cannot go back to the way it used to be. Uh, yep. So yep. I'm going to I'm going to utilize their knowledge and their giftings and their their call. I'm going to utilize them. They're great. This is so good. You know, I remember early on in, in, in my experience, you know, pastoring, I remember having, you know, my, my days where I wanted to just mope before the Lord. I don't know if that's ever happened. Yeah, I just wanted to complain. And I was just like, Lord, I wish I had somebody who could do this. Lord, I wish I had somebody until the Lord snapped me out of it. A, a couple of leaders and a couple of pastor church conferences that helped me kind of shake out of that. And, and God spoke to me what you just said, that he, everything that the Lord wants this church, our church to accomplish, he's put it there. But it's my responsibility to, as Dr. Sam Chan would say, uh, discover, develop, and deploy, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's not, it's not easy, but that's what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. Amen. Outstanding. I love it. I love it. And that's exactly what every pastor, especially young pastor, needs to know. What you need, God's got it there. So just find it. And I love Chan, Dr. Chan's perspective on it. Yeah, discover, develop, and deploy. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and you know i like what you were saying about just finding the right people and you know sometimes the right people at the table aren't necessarily exactly what you expect them to be because of how it was in the past you know mm -hmm. um i think sometimes especially in church leadership um it would be very easy for maybe uh senior leadership established you know veteran leadership to maybe maybe not realize the value that there are in a in a 19 year old you know or in a, or you know in a young person who might not have necessarily the biblical uh, understanding of all these things, however, has a gifting that would add great value. Would you Absolutely. would you speak into that? Absolutely, yeah. Because and they might not even look like look like what you think they ought to look like, or behave <laughs> the way you think they ought to look. Or like. dress. Yeah, yeah. Some of the great people that have surprised me have surprised me in an unexpected way. I, yeah. I didn't expect that they could do this, or I didn't see them in that light mm -hmm. but yet God had them there and God brought them to light so they're there you just have to unveil and give them the opportunity they just need the opportunity they just need somebody to say go for it give it a try let's see how you do it this that's uh, good yeah just good. give them an opportunity that's what it means hey I, something I found out about you when when we first kind of connected to get prepared for this uh, podcast I found out that you're a pilot which I think is pretty, it's pretty, that's a pretty cool thing. Cause I, I don't know many, I know a few, but I think it's pretty cool when somebody can get into a plane and actually fly that plane. So uh, I know, I know that you've, you, you're a pilot, you fly airplanes. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. And, and then is there a connection? Have you learned any leadership lessons from being a pilot or flying a, an aircraft? Oh my goodness gracious, how much time do we have left over? Uh, let me begin by telling you that a, a plane flies by virtue of laws of aerodynamics. Okay. And as long as everything is in place, the plane will fly every time. I've been flying for 18 years. I started taking lessons in 2001, got my license in 02, and been flying ever since. And uh, the thing I learned 
is that the laws of aerodynamics are consistent and will happen. The plane will take off if everything's the way it's supposed to be, 100% of the time. And, and what I try to teach pastors is if you have the principles of God's uh, truth in place in your church, it will, it will, you will breed success and victory hmm. every time. So it's just a matter of learning what those principles are and applying them in your life. It's a matter of learning what church growth principles are, how to resolve conflict, put those things in place, how to get people working together as a team, put those principles in place, learn them and apply them and you'll win every time. So that's, that's, that's probably the big lesson I learned. Um, and when I get up in the air, here's the thing about flying that, that when I get up in the air, I take my mind off of church. That's my stress reliever. I take uh -huh. my mind off of problems and, and issues and counseling. And I'm just saying to myself, how am I, how am I, how am I going to get this thing down on the ground safely? <laughs> uh -huh. And I, I love it. So it's a, it's a stress reliever for me. So I love flying. And it's, there's so many principles I've learned about flying. But uh, yes, that's probably a significant one right there. That's good. Well, I, I already told you last time we talked, I'm hoping one day to, to, to enjoy a flight with you. If we can make that happen, we'll see. <laughs> hey, hey, I might have to fly down to where you are and take you up one day. That'll be fun. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Hey, um, uh, you, you've had experience not only in church, but just around a lot of leaders in different spheres and different areas. Um, I think the pitfalls that leaders can fall in can vary and can look different um, depending on season of life. Uh, and, and maybe let's consider this. Yeah, let's just consider two groups, right? Although, you know, uh, there's so many variables, but let's consider young leaders, maybe less experienced leaders, and then seasoned veteran leaders, maybe more time, more experience. Uh, between these two, what are some of the pitfalls that you see? Let's start off with, with young leaders. What are some of the pitfalls you see young leaders fall into? So here, here's probably the biggest one that I see happening all the time that, again, I wish I could say to young leaders is um, expecting change without properly preparing the congregation for the change. Okay preparing people for change. So I've learned over the years, uh, and our, ch our church has changed significantly. Yeah. So you came 31 years ago, the Sunday before I came, and then didn't come back until um, the last Sunday that we had church in March. It's a totally different church. Yeah. Um, other than the same, the people that were there when I first came and the people that are still there, you, you, wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even recognize the church. It's totally mm -hmm. different. And so we've, we've drastically changed our church. I could talk about a hundred different things that are different. Yeah. And some of them are, are really significantly different. So uh, uh, we were able to make those changes and maintain the people because I just didn't go out and bark out a command and say, right. to people, this is what we're going to do. And it starts tomorrow. I didn't do that. Every change I made, I taught it. Yeah. Biblical principles behind it. I mm -hmm. showed them why we're going to make the change. What's the need for the change? What we expect the fruit to be because of the change. And the more dramatic the change is, the more time I took to teach the change. Yeah. So there's some things I, it may be taught on it for a month. Some things I had to teach on for over a year. Wow. So mo a lot of pastors don't have that patience. They just want to come in and make immediate changes and expect people to just change just because the pastor said so. Yeah. That's not, that's not wisdom. That's not how it works. That's not what you should be doing. So I would, you know, say num number one, rule number one, teach, teach, teach before you <laughs> make a change. Yeah. Make that change based on some biblical truth, some biblical principle that you want to apply. Uh, yeah for the change. So that would be That's good. I learned that lesson when, when I had the responsibility of relaunching our church, because I knew it's the same Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The gospel doesn't change, but the methods of how we did church, I knew that some things needed to change, but I learned because I, I sought, sought out counsel. Mm -hmm. And I learned that before just telling the what, I needed to explain the why, which is exactly mm -hmm. what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And I needed people to have an opportunity to understand the why and if, ask questions if they had them. And, and, and little by little, as they understood the why and the heart behind it, they became less resistant maybe and mm -hmm. more open to the changes. That's good. What about, what about maybe veteran, more experienced leaders uh, that, that have been in the journey longer? What are some pitfalls that 
uh, those leaders fall into. I think the biggest pitfalls they make is an inability to trust younger leaders to be able to rise up and do some of the things that need to be done. That's good. Um, I think it's essential that yeah. the senior older leaders are training and empowering younger leaders to step to the plate and do some of the work and do some of the things that need to be done. So um, a lot of, I see a lot of senior leaders. See, the last thing I want to do, Pastor Virgil, is to be crawling out on the platform at 80 years of old, age, trying to preach. Yeah. You know, I'm 85 with a cane or in a walker trying to do right. it. It's time to start <laughs> empowering others and putting them up, up the front and letting them carry yeah. the panel and let them do the work. And a lot of pastors are not doing that. A lot of senior leaders still want to be the man. Right. You're, you're, what makes you the man is when you have the capacity to train others to do what you've been doing. That's so good. Mm -hmm. why, why do you think some, senior, some older leaders are more veteran? Why do they have such a hard time with it? What, is it insecurity, fear? I mean, probably insecurities. That's a big deal. Insecurities yeah. is one. A, a fair, here's something else. You, this, you, 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 probably, you should probably have a podcast on this topic, mm -hmm. preparing themselves for retirement. Wow. Because a lot of them have not put any money away, have not put any plans away to retire. Wow. So some of them stay, stay in the game because they can't afford not to. Wow. Um, so I think, you know, those are two insecurities and wow. having not prepared themselves. I, I'm trying to teach every pastor I can. How much money are you putting away for the day that you can't do this anymore? Wow. You know, so I'm trying to press them. You need to you need to be putting putting money away for the day that you you can't do it, and you have to step off the scene and coach others and yeah. be a mentor to them. So, uh, and don't be insecure. I'm not. I am. I have. I have long passed the element of feeling insecure. I know yeah. who I am. I know whose I am. I know the gifting God's given me. I'm not jealous or threatened by anybody. Matter of fact, my my glory is in empowering the younger generation to rise to the table and get the job done. That's so good. You know, I'm reminded of some resources that Dr. Sam Chand has because there's not a lot of books, a lot, there's not a lot of them about this topic, but he talks a lot about uh, exiting gracefully, you know, and, you know, even when I think about, about my father, when he tr kind of transferred leadership to myself and, you know, took a step back, I just think it's something, and, and we had to do, there was a lot of honoring, you know, that young leadership has to do in, in that process and that journey. But I think there's something powerful in having that confidence that you're talking about, but also the preparedness of, of having a plan because we all, we, none of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow or next week. So setting up the organization and the church to be in a place of stability, even if something unexpected happens, this is great wisdom, great insight. Uh, uh, we, we got a couple more questions here as we're uh, coming to the final stretch. Um, Pastor John, you pastor close to Washington, DC. Um, I'm sure that there's challenges and also opportunities that you've experienced being so close to, you know, the, I would say that not only the center of the heart of the United States of America, the capital, but maybe even one of the hearts of the world. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, I think um, I take joy, you know, I, I, don't, I don't, our church is not a heavily engaged with political affairs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We are heavily engaged with moral issues and biblical issues, which cross yeah. over and impacts those things. But what I'm proud of is the fact that we have a lot of people in our church who are actually working in the offices of wow. policymakers. And uh, sometimes, you know, is is we might not be talking to the policymakers, but we're talking to people who are in the offices of policymakers. That's right. Influence their thinking to speak to the policymakers in terms yeah. of the decisions and rules and policies that they make. So I'm proud of that, that our church is heavily engaged all through Washington, D.C. We got people all over the government. And um, I'm proud that we can say that we've been able to influence them through uh, the good. servants of these people. Yeah, well, the Lord knows uh, we could use some more godly men and women and young people in and around D.C. And uh, may the Lord continue to guide you and your church as well to continue just shining the light of Jesus. Um, uh, as we're kind of wrapping it up here, Pastor John, um, you know, in this season, there's multiple reasons why maybe it's been hard to maintain unity. One is on the organizational side. You know, we're facing this crisis where many people aren't even able to work together in the same building to be with each other physically. So there's some limitations on maybe organizational unity. And obviously we're also seeing a divide in the nation because of uh, whether it's the racial tensions, whether it's, uh, you know, everything that we've been watching in the news that's happened in this 
crazy 2020 that has caused division or disunity. Um, can you, as we're kind of closing it up here, can you speak into a little bit about, um, you know, promoting unity? Because I know this is something that's, that's strong in your heart as well. If there was some way that um, we can encourage pastors to reach across um, the table to people who don't look like you, who don't come from the same environment that you come from, who weren't raised like you, and yeah. cultivate relationships with people, I think that would go a very long way in helping our the church to be unified. God loves unity. And we got a big yeah. problem that the church is not unified right now. It's just as divided as the, as the culture. And a part of that is because we're not reaching across the table to engage with people who don't look like us. We pretty much all stay in our little groups that look like us and believe like us and worship like us. And, right. and uh, the heart of God is we got to be unified. And so we got to reach across the table. I'm cultivating relationships with and have been for years with pastors who don't look like me. Mm -hmm. I wish that we could have more of that going on in, uh, in the church. How can we get better at that? I mean, you know, um, has anything worked specifically well for you? Has anything not worked? Because I think that's something that could be a game changer for a lot of churches and pastors. I think what doesn't work is when you come across somebody and you know their views are different than you, then a lot of people will make a decision. I'm not going to hang out with that person. I'm right. not how to get to know that person. That's, that's, again, not the heart of God. Maybe God has called you to help bring a light to them that they didn't have before. Mm. So uh, uh, I've invited pastors to preach at my church who, who don't have a clue what our culture is going through or what the African-American wow. community is like. And I didn't expect them to come and preach like our people or, or understand our people, but I wanted to expose our people to them and what they believe. Right. And some of those pastors had made it their business to say, let me learn about your church and what your church is like and what it's doing. If more churches did that, we'd be a much better place. Yeah. You know, you know as you're saying that, I think, I think a lot of pastors probably would say, Hey, I want that. But then there's this little risk factor, right? There's this, it's a little bit, but you know, it, you know, um, I think it's a risk worth taking. Absolutely. It is a risk worth taking. I, I remember um, I met a pastor, an Anglo pastor, a good dear friend of mine now, but I met him for the first time 18 years ago. And uh, he was coming to do a crusade in Washington, DC. And the Spirit of God said, have him preach at your Bible study this Tuesday night. And I invited him. And he and I have begun, become closest friends, wow. close friends, over, tw oh, it's been 20 years, actually, over wow. 20 years. Uh, but it was that risk. You're exactly right. It's taking that one little risk yeah. that you may not know. Because normally, I would never invite anybody to preach at our church that I haven't heard <laughs> preach ahead of time. Right. Sometimes you got to take that risk. If the Spirit yeah. of God gives you that nudge, and I believe that the Spirit of God has given people that nudge. Yeah. And cultivate that relationship. That's what we need to be doing. Yeah. Our churches need that. Our communities need that. Mm -hmm. This has been such a, a life-giving and, you know, both encouraging and challenging talk, Pastor John. Um, I want to let everybody know the different ways that they can connect with you. If you want to know more about Pastor John, you can go to johnkjenkins.com. Uh, for all things Pastor John, you can also check out their church, which is FBC glenarden.org that's for first baptist church glenarden so fbcglenarden.org you can go to johnkjenkins.com and uh, i i know that you, you you know you've expressed to me pastor john that maybe social media isn't your strength but you're there they can find you there yeah. uh john k jenkins on twitter uh john k jenkins on instagram and i think john k dot jenkins or john k dot jenkins on instagram so uh we're uh, encouraging everybody to go out and, and connect with you, hear you a little bit, see you. Um, I also want to mention before some final words from you, um, you know, Pastor, John, I don't know if you've had a chance, Pastor John, to, to hold an avail journal, you know, Dr. Sam Chan and the avail team. It just, every time I grab it, I say it feels good. It doesn't feel like a, like a rinky dinky magazine. It feels like a solid yeah, <laughs> leadership. Yeah. There's some great, great content Absolutely. here. Have you had a chance to check it out? Every last one of them that's been put out. I've got it. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> it's powerful. We want everybody to know you can get a free subscription, annual subscription, free and not free one journal, free annual subscription. If you go to availjournal.com, Pastor John and I invite you to do so if you haven't done so. Um, and man, we're, we're just excited to keep pr producing content and resources that 
uh, leaders can learn from and be equipped by. So Pastor John, this has been a, an awesome time on this podcast, uh, just chatting, getting back, uh, learning so much from you. What are some final thoughts you want to share with everybody? Above all, figure out what your rhythm is. Figure out what your pattern, your, what it is that makes you tick. Hmm. what it is that gives you strength and develop that rhythm and stick to it. Find out what's your rest cycle. What's your rest cycle and make that happen. That's please take care of yourselves. Please take care of yourselves and get the rest. God intends for you to get rest. That's so good. Just finding that rhythm, you know, for all the leaders listening, whether you are a, you know, seasoned, experienced leader like Pastor John and have, you know, decades of leadership and pastoring under your belt, you know, or maybe you're a young leader who's just getting your feet wet in ministry or just learning about leadership. Um, you have some great tools and some great wisdom that Pastor John has shared with all of us today. So make sure you take some time. If li Listen back to this and take some notes down. Uh, it's so good and so wise to learn with people who are a little further down the journey than us. Pastor John, this has been a privilege for myself, for the Avail team, and for everybody who connects uh, to this podcast. Uh, thanks again. Uh, for honoring us with your time. Uh, send big hugs to your family, to your wife, your six kids, and your 5.5 grandkids at this moment. <laughs> We're so thankful for you, Pastor John. Thank May you. the Lord bless you and First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. And for everybody who's connected, we expect you to connect with us for the next podcast where we continue to bring great content for all of you leaders out there. We love you. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this rewarding conversation with Pastor John Jenkins. For more information about Pastor John, you can visit johnkjenkins.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at availleadership.org. And you can join in the leadership conversation by going to availleadershipconnect.com. Lastly, get your hands on the Avail Journal. You can claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. Be blessed, stay safe, and keep seeking the Lord. As always, thank you for connecting with us to grow in the art of leadership here at the Avail Leadership Podcast.